Hello, everybody. My name is Rieslin Mark, and welcome to another edition of Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future, where we focus on the intersection of effective altruism, universal basic income, the attention economy, and blockchain. And today, in episode number five, we're going to focus on the overlap of two of those, effective altruism and blockchain, namely blockchain for social good. And we're going to be interviewing Vince Means, who lives in the Netherlands and leads blockchain entrepreneurship at multiple incubators there at Tech Corruption in Brightlands, which focus on blockchain for good projects like climate change. Vince, welcome to the show and welcome. Welcome. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Um, so let's kind of just start with the dive in. And I always like to start with why, essentially. Um, and could you tell me a little bit about why you're working in the blockchain for social good space uh, and specifically why Tech Corruption in Brightlands? Um, yeah, I think I think maybe the first thing to start off with is this uh, this thing from philosophy called the prisoner's dilemma. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept. Um, yeah, so uh, for the people that don't know it yet, it's basically if two of us get uh, the two of us get arrested um, uh, and we get the opportunity to snitch on the other uh, to for our own benefit, we will screw over the other person. Basically, that's in our human nature. Yep. Uh, instead of both shouting up and uh, and um, and staying a bit longer in it. But then uh, we're both out. Uh, and I think if you look at the, the, the world, how it works now, uh, it's actually a reflection of this mechanism that uh, because all the transactions that we do um, uh, are something where we can get away with things very easily. We easily screw over uh, uh, other things in the world. So if I buy this shirt uh, and I'm not uh, seeing the person in the sweatshop, I feel perfectly OK to buy the shirt because it's not tangible for me to uh, uh, to, to feel responsible for it. And this is something uh, I think this is the major thing to get about the blockchain is that every transaction that will happen will uh, start having this string attached to it of its history of the people that it impacted uh, and so on. So you will get this major shift of the uh, where I think as society for the first time we're going to break the prisoner's dilemma because we're going to see that the, the quick win for ourselves is not the, the good win for for all of us and that's what blockchain is going to facilitate and that's why I got super excited once I heard about it to uh, to get involved into the space yeah, yeah I love that and I love uh, I think that a lot of people in the blockchain space think from that what I call like a root cause perspective which is yes. hey and you're essentially talking about you know game theory and we talk about game theory a lot in the blockchain space and hey what are the game theoretical implications of X you know and, and you're saying yeah. yeah the game theoretical implications of something like blockchain allow us to realign incentives in such a way that we don't have the prisoner's dilemma to such an extent or that we yeah. don't have something like a tragedy of the commons. Um, yes. So that makes sense. And so could you tell us just a little bit more, just a bit of background on kind of the work that you're doing, kind of diving into the stuff that you're doing at Tech Corruption um, yeah. around blockchain for social good? What are some of the projects that you're working on there? Yeah, so uh, so maybe one step back is uh, this initiative called Brightlands. Um, uh, it has a slogan called the Knowledge Crossing Borders, and I think this is also very much in the um, uh, yeah in the blockchain mindset, so to say. I think we're moving in a time where um, no longer a single organization or a single industry can tackle the problems that we're facing. Yeah? We're moving into this this global connected world where problems become too difficult to tackle on your own, and that's essentially uh, at Brightlands we try to combine uh, several industries like the materials industry, the food industry, um, the, the smart services industry and these things together to tackle global things. And um, within Brightlands, we have an initiative called Tech Corruption that uh, basically offers a playground for blockchain, artificial intelligence and climate change. 
And this especially got my interest because um, I'm a tech guy at heart. Uh, so uh, combining these things, so the only thing missing still is VR, uh, but then my yeah, heart yeah. Would, would beat really hard. <laughs> um, I, th- I thought it, it was a thought-provoking approach to um, to uh, to tackle climate change through, uh, through a blockchain uh, mindset and not so much through a mindset where you say, hey, I'm going to put some solar panels on my roof, mm. um, but really start looking at it like how can we create them um, like a um, yeah a data view view of society that we can start um, uh, incentivizing better behavior uh, and that this better behavior might have way more impact than just um, uh, this this um, more efficient device that I'm buying or these kind of things. So I, I thought this was something I wanted to commit to. So within the tech eruption, we basically bring together um, uh, big corporates uh, like banks or uh, financial institutions like pension funds and so on, on the one hand. And we try to combine them with startups that basically enter into a market, have no clue about regulation or uh, all kinds of things that uh, that are in place. And they just start challenging each other to start working on these blockchain use cases that are relevant for all of us. And they do this uh, basically in a, in a context where they don't think about proprietary stuff. They just experiment they share knowledge and they they build something until you can test it in the market and once it reaches that point uh people say like okay now we're going to continue this and um, uh, build it uh, as a startup ourselves or we're going to include in our in our business for example so we basically are literally this playground for uh, for the new world uh, like a, a mini a mini garden of eden to experiment <laughs> yeah. that's awesome i think yeah. that it reminds me of a couple things first i this this concept of ideas that are too big old big to tackle on your own and yeah. uh, what blockchains can kind of enable here is is this new collaborative mindset uh, and you saw it at, at these blockchain conferences at Consensus 2017 uh, yeah. you had NASDAQ and Citigroup and a blockchain group called Chain, the three of them worked together on this new kind of blockchain based NASDAQ solution which would have been, in, in the, when they were talking about it, they were talking exactly what you said which is like, hey back in the day this would have been hard, who owns the siloed data, yes. who, you know, who gets the returns, whatever, but blockchain just says hey Hey, the data exists on the blockchain. It's kind of open for everybody, and maybe we can tokenize it to some extent so that the returns are divided in kind of like a platform cooperativism way or whatever. Um, so yeah. I think that that is a a very strong thing that you're getting at, which is we yeah. both need the cooperation in order to actually solve problems, and um, it blockchain kind of enables that cooperation. Um, so that's one thing that I liked what you said. And the second thing is about this data. You said, you said there's a with this new data view of society um, yeah. instead of just getting new solar. Uh, you know, new solar panels, you can, we can change the behavior to make more impact. Uh, and I really yeah. like that perspective because it's a kind of, if you multiply, I think a lot of people um, underestimate, I just finished uh, this book called Machine Platform Crowd, um, and, and a lot of people underestimate the power of the crowd. But if you can change the behavior, the change the habits of a lot of people within the space, wow, then you can have a huge impact on, on, on things within the space. So I, I really like that as well. Yeah. And I think there's also like a lot of inefficiency in the world because we don't know uh, uh, what other people are doing that much. Like one one thing, for yeah. example, with energy is that um, uh, it's nice to have a solar panel on the roof. But if the, the main power plant for the centralized grid isn't aware of your uh, yeah. production capacity, then it's, it's not aligned. And I think with a lot of these things, we can really gain from having the centralized um, uh, or centralized, Ooh. decentralized, Ooh. Uh, uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> this 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 universal ex- uh, means of of seeing each other's uh, data and um, having this standardized, it will it will trigger a lot of more, um, yeah, uh, optimization. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so, could you talk a little bit more about 
Um, one project that I'm excited by that you guys are working on is, and, and kind of, especially at the funding side, I've talked with some people in the space around, and we might talk about this later, about how um, how people conceive of value for value exchange within the blockchain for social good space. Um, but one thing that's really exciting that's happening in the Netherlands is uh, you have the government actually pushing for some of these climate change initiatives. Um, so can yes. you talk about like some of the laws that they've made around like pension funds and the 20% and things of that variety? Yeah. Yeah, like, like basically, um, I, th I think you, uh, as a world, we went through a peak oil, and I think we're also going now through peak capitalism, so to say. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. and that basically means that the whole motives for organizations to exist uh, start shifting away from being purely for profit and start moving towards this B Corp uh, mindset yep. uh, of um, um, uh, making impact. And one of these, um, yeah, like in, in the Netherlands, we kind of have a luxury uh, pension uh, environment, uh, like people are very, uh, very strict in contributing to it. So we have very wealthy uh, uh, funds. And um, I think in to like the, the pension funds together, like they all committed to, uh, to have 10% of their uh, um, yeah, don't pin me on these numbers. I need to check it exactly, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 somewhere in that uh, that field of their um, of their to total asset base to commit this to tackling climate change. And I think, um, uh, yeah, if you look at the scale of, of what they're doing, like um, uh, it's the size of two times uh, a company like Apple, for example, uh, basically now moving into this space and having mm. all the resources to coming up with real cool things. Not so much in the traditional things of just putting up windmills, uh, but really also looking into supporting uh, really innovative startups and think with blockchain or AI solutions to to tackle these things and not just with hardware. And I think this is this is something unprecedented, like the scale that they're doing this and the scale that they're actually opening up their their international network and their whole um, how do you say it? Their whole uh, uh, position to uh, to impact governments and these things and and yeah, I. I I think it's really a tipping point in that sense, and uh, it also feels like uh, like this this mini revolution of um, yeah of doing good. And uh, I, I see like this different different mindset now than just doing things for profit, just getting like this um, uh, these these double digit growth numbers or whatever. It doesn't cut it anymore. You're not gonna you're not gonna feel satisfied at the at the end of the day if uh, if you didn't contribute to a better world for your children. And a lot of people are waking up to this realization. And the scale that it is happening at now, I feel confident that we're going to tackle uh, the problems ahead. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love the optimism, hopefully. Yeah. And it's cool to hear optimism because I think a lot of people are pessimistic, you know, um, about what this space looks like going forward. And I think it's really cool also, I mean, with you, you're living like in, in America right now, I don't know of very many um, there, there are a bunch of, I don't know of any big kind of institutional investors that are thinking in a similar way that uh, these pension funds are thinking. There's some other projects out here like something like the Founders Pledge um, where yeah. people are like, you know, doing 2% uh, funding, to, you know, to like charities after they have an exit. There are also things like yeah. the Giving Pledge, which is where the like lots of billionaires have said, once we die or by yeah. the time we die, we're going to give either half yeah. or more than half. Yeah. And that one's one where I, I kind of want to expedite that where it's like, okay, Hey, yeah. it, the time is now, you know, yeah. um, let's start funding these things. Um, and I also, I really like what you said about, you know, our mindset, you're, you're right in that we're seeing this big shift into these B corporations, founders, pledge, yeah. pledge 1%, those kinds of um, things. And I think that 
it's something that I'm excited by, and in this, Mark Zuckerberg was talking about this in his Harvard commencement address was, hey, we need to move away from, you know, measuring what you measure for, you optimize for, you know, and, and yeah. if measuring away from measuring GDP and money necessarily and towards yeah. measuring things like happiness, um, yeah. which uh, we're gonna, we can talk about later as well. But I think that that is kind of what you're getting at, which is, hey, let's, yeah. let's create people that are excited by working on solutions that don't necessarily just, you know, go back to themselves, but work for the greater good. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think also this this has to do with um, like a, a bit of an off-topic uh, startup, for example, mm. here at campus. Um, uh, they, they build this, this sensor to detect your mood. Oh. <laughs> uh, like, for example, if you're happy or stressed. And they, uh, they're now doing an experiment where um, uh, they basically track like uh, the uh, which people bring happiness and which people uh, trigger stress. Uh, it's it sounds it sounds a bit uh, a bit scary maybe, but it's very interesting because it, it it creates trigger points for the people that are stressed to to go into dialogue very uh, quickly. Mm. But mm. it also creates um, uh, uh, like a, a, mom, a momentum for us as a group to start uh, uh, really being aware of the impact we have on others instead yeah. of just thinking like hey I'm, I I got grumpy out of bed I'm gonna walk grumpy to my desk and uh, uh, stay grumpy the whole day. No, you're really thinking like okay I'm part of this. This this group uh, uh, and I have an impact on it, and I need to be aware that um, uh, whatever I bring to the table, it will reflect uh, through seven uh, layers of uh, of other people maybe during the day, and I need to become aware of this. And it's the same with how we consume. It's the same with uh, what we watch. Uh, all, all these things, like our impact, is way bigger than we than we perceive. And I think that's becoming very tangible with uh, with these new tech things. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I want to mm. dive into that for just a quick second more yeah. before we go back to some of the other stuff that you're doing yeah. at Tech Corruption. So what you're what you're talking about there is very much in alignment with what we what we were talking about before about the data view of society, where we can kind yeah. of once we have um, everybody who's hyper networked with smartphones and an Internet of Things with twenty billion devices by 2020 or whatever you have this uh you can essentially take data slices of reality yeah. for any given point in time and things that people uh, a lot of people traditionally think you wouldn't be able to track um like oh emotions like you know maybe the data yeah. thing will exist for like the financial system or whatever but not for emotions yeah. but what you're saying is hey we actually will have this kind of data view of our what emotional state are us and others are bringing to the table at any given time yeah. um i think that's a fascinating concept is there is there any worry that you have there as as we kind of get into this quantification of of all the things and the tracking of all the things? Uh, have you seen the Black Mirror episode with where they're yeah, rating uh, people five stars? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, are, are you worried by this kind of like, hey, I come into a room and I immediately yeah. know, oh man, other people feel colder about me because maybe I'm uglier or maybe the clothes I'm not wearing. You know, like how do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think two things. Uh, uh, one, I, I in my perception, Black Mirror isn't fully aware yet of the blockchain. No, I know. <laughs> I think I think um, uh, it was still a very centralized approach for this reputation uh, system. I think also um, the fact to build blindly reputation and just um, yeah, if you compare it to a keychain uh, and just having one key with all the reputation, I I think is a very bad way to approach this. I think every human should have like this virtual keychain where um, uh, maybe a thousand different um, uh, reputation compartments uh, for for different things can build up. I think this this is very important um, uh, to compartment uh, 
compartmentalize these things. Um, the scary aspect, yeah, I think um, uh, still living in the space where a centralized company uh, like Google uh, likes to build an advertising profile on all these things and, and so on. That's, of course, like the, the bad side. Uh, but I think they will get challenged anyway by uh, their competitive advantage of, of owning all this data and it going to the public. So I don't I, I, I think in the transition phase, uh, some companies will try to benefit from it. But in the end, they will not uh, not be able to and they will become obsolete. So uh, I think for the short term, yes, it's a bit scary. Uh, and yes, some data might get um, uh, misused. But five to 10 years from now, we'll look back on this period as a transition phase and uh, it will all make sense. Yeah. No. And I think and, and like you're saying, some of these things are also there's kind of an inevitability to a lot of this in the sense that's like, hey, yeah. it's whether it's you and I working on it, we're going yeah. to be there's going to be an, an increasingly measured and datafied you know, yeah. world and whether or not you or I are doing it, there are going to be reputation systems. You know, you have China yeah. making this, you know, big uh, social reputation, social credit reputation system. So it's like yeah. um, if something is eh? and centralized China. as well. Yeah. And, and if yeah. something is yeah. going to be if something's going to happen, then you can try to say, OK, I just want to be part of this wave and make it as good as possible for the people yeah. um, because it's just going to be true. The other thing that yeah. that reputation makes me think of is. Um, a this this concept of like what our profiles look like in the future, um, yeah. and so like for a given profile, you have like in the classic like Uport example is hey I have a profile and it has a given reputation score on it, um, and it's self sovereign identity and things of that variety. But something and and then it would be connected to these various personas that you could have yeah. of the you know here's my financial persona or my social persona. Something that yeah. I'm interested by I'm interested by two things in the space. The first is uh, imagining a series of smart contracts on a given person's profile where it says, hey, yeah. I am at any given point in time, if you want to pay me five bucks to do an interview of you, that's a smart yeah. contract that I do. Or if you want me to do an Uber, essentially, everybody yeah. right now has essentially has a meta smart contract on themselves for Ubering yes. or lifting or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested by the, the smart contracts as a, essentially the new definition of who you are is the series yeah. of smart contracts that you have. And the second part is a this question of, can we track and then specifically and i'd like to get your take on this one within the social good space we'll have like reputation i think that a lot of people are conceiving of reputation as like you know reputation in business dealings how are you doing interacting with others is it is it good and but something that i'm interested by is like not only your reputation in terms of like the actual interactions but like also who are you trying to do good for um and should people have a reputation for like hey I'm a person who's actively doing good for the world and it's, you know, we're tracking it in these ways and you know that I'm a, I'm very far yeah. on the edge of like doing good for others while yeah. someone else, not necessarily this is better or worse, might be doing more good for themselves. How do you, what do you think about a reputation system that's kind of blocked, like social good adjacent? Yeah, I, I think it's it's very important. Like uh, for me, the most ridiculous thing right now is uh, the resume for the job interview, where basically we uh, we all create this uh, this um, this perfect template of our uh, of our perfect life and perfect behavior, whereas uh, it doesn't really say anything about us. I think in the future. Um, if if you want to uh, work with someone, um, uh, yeah, the, the biggest thing is going to be a verifiable, um, uh, yeah, proof of who you are, uh, and and then I don't mean uh, your address or your name or your picture, no. Like, okay, you say you want to work for social good, but let's see in your behavior if you're not a hypocritic person uh, trying to uh, greenwash yourself, so to say. Uh, but if, you really, if you're really consistent with it, if you really live it, and um, 
Um, like I work here a lot uh, in, in, in our region. We have uh, some regions with, with heavy um, uh, unemployment under young people. And I think the biggest thing I see there is um, this disconnection gap, like um, uh, not having a uh, hundred people on a first name basis uh, uh, working that can introduce you somewhere. And like the, these kind of things become way more valuable um, than uh, than the skill you learn in a school. It's, it's going to be about um, yeah, making it tangible that uh, if I don't know you yet, that I can quickly see if you're at least similar to me instead of um, uh, fully uh, yeah, just seeing this advertised version of yourself in a resume. No, I want to see if you're if you act like me, if you think like me and therefore we can work together. And that creates like a, a trust point for people that are now not interacting with each other to easily start interacting with each other. And that, that's like also the slogan of blockchain in the end, eh? the trust machine. It's, it's building this um, this 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 common ground to uh, to feel comfortable to work with anyone and to tackle something together instead of staying individual and that that's something i really really like yeah. totally totally we yeah. are in route to the abstraction of trust and the abundance of trust and towards the yeah. the human organism or what have you yeah um so uh, could you like coming back to tech corruption for a second yeah. and um asking about the uh, project that you guys are working on with um, carbon tax and, and kind of carbon emissions, could you talk a little bit yeah. more about um, you know the work that you guys are doing on that space and how you ex expect that to go forward? Yeah, I think the um, uh, yeah I th the, the biggest thing is is just getting like a, a good footprint of, of what a product really is. Huh? Uh, like um, a product always has the story attached to it of where it came from, how it was transported, and uh, who handled it, and so on. And um, if the blockchain becomes like this basic layer where I can see, okay, it was uh, plucked from the ground here, then transported on a the ship, then moved uh, here, I can make it very tangible to uh, estimate the footprint of me consuming this here. And I think that's the first step to to have like these uh, transport uh, um, footprint uh, taxes, so to say, on products instead of just having a cheap product. Like um, here we eat uh, a lot of avocados uh, for breakfast uh, for some reason since a couple of years and i always find i i, I find it amazing that this thing basically crossed uh, half the globe to 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 be on the breakfast plate of someone uh for for less than uh less than uh, less than a euro this is um like the 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 fact that you can get it there cheap doesn't mean that uh, the price is not paid in different values not paid in uh, like the in financial sense it might be cheap to get it there but the footprint of this oil tank or the footprint of this uh, airplane or these kind of things to get it there it's not it's not an equation um, and uh, I think we, we should go towards more holistic ways of pricing things where we take these things way more into consideration than just uh, uh, than just the price of production and like um, this is also something like uh, I think we're going to move away for paying for the commodities uh, like for example if you have a car and now you pay for the for one gallon of fuel um, but with blockchain, your the, the computer of your car will get connected to uh, uh, to the gas station because they share the same blockchain uh, as a common ground to interact. And uh, instead of them paying for this gallon of fuel, you will start paying for how you use that gallon of fuel. Um, uh, and you will uh, start, for example, paying uh, if you drive polluting uh, more for that gallon than um, than if you drive really eco-friendly. And I think these kind of smart connections where the, the business model shifts from just paying for a product and then having no responsibility to having seeing the impact of how you use it or where it comes from it will it will totally shift a lot of uh, a lot of these things uh, and one other example i gave it before is um 
uh, is how yeah how energy uh, production is so misaligned <laughs> and we produce uh, so much energy everywhere and uh, people try to give it back to the grid uh, but the power plants also overproduce and there's there's like this total mismatch i think of local energy production and uh, local water production like we're also here working on uh, on on decentralized water grids uh, that uh, create like a, a global water exchange for example on the blockchain uh, making uh, making wa drinking water a universal basic right again for everyone instead of uh, having these controlled water grids for example Th these kind of things yeah, yeah. and so um, and that makes a lot of sense. I'd like to dive into some of that stuff in a second. But yeah. could you talk a little bit more? Is there a specific like project that you guys are working on within like this the carbon tax or kind of the transportation space? And, and could you give me some more specifics on that? Yeah, actually, the the there's there's one big project in uh, in the logistics industry with this, but it's still uh, <laughs> it's still uh, under uh, yeah under yeah. some non-disclosure. Yeah, um, cool, cool, cool. But it, yeah, but it, it has to do primarily with really making it tangible uh, what the whole journey is of everything uh, and thereby uh, including uh, a tax on that instead of um, instead of just paying for the product. And I think in the end, therefore, you will get a shift where, um, uh, yeah, you will get a shift back to local. Now we live in this fully globalized society where we think something is cheap because we get it from far. Um, but we will start shifting back that uh, you will get tax to transport things over great distances um, uh, because it will impact the environment a lot. And we will therefore will have a revolution back to the local, uh, to the local production, the local consumption. And um, yeah, I think local farmers will, will definitely get uh, get way better times. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that's a kind of a macro trend within the blockchain space, which is kind of this bimodal distribution between if you're working in the space, you are working, you're kind of required to work in this hyper decentralized, globalized way. Yeah. You know, we're talking many time zones, thousands of miles away from each other uh, because there's so much great stuff happening everywhere. So like, let's yeah. use the truly global crowd. And at the same time, it empowers some of these like local trust communities and um, easier. You don't need centralized tracking things because you can track essentially more easily with the blockchain. So you can kind of it enables hyper local as well. So it kind of enables yeah. both sides of that by modal. And I'm not sure what's going to happen to the middle ground. You know, if you're like 500 miles yeah. away from me, do I care about you? <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, cool. So. Let's kind of in the last couple minutes here, I'd love to, we've kind of been um, toying with a little bit of these macro concepts in addition to some of the stuff um, yeah. within tech corruption. Um, but one thing that Vince and I want to talk about uh, instead of diving into one of those other concepts is, you know, in this transition to this kind of macro, more abstract thing, uh, Vince, I'd like to get your take on how we can track value within the blockchain for social good space. Um, this is something that a lot of people are thinking about because, you know, it's an easy, a smart contract is an easy way to do a direct one-to-one -one value for value transaction where you say, hey, yeah. I'm going to give you this thing and you're going to give me this things back and great, we value for valued all good. But what happens if, let's say, Vince, uh, you want to give me some money and then I'm actually providing you with no value. I'm providing someone else with value, let's say maybe some poor person or maybe, maybe yeah. for the macro environment. How do you think about kind of tracking that value and also incentivizing it to be the case that you give me money for the greater good? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, this is actually a great example of where we started with uh, with uh, the prisoners thing. Um, because now if I look at bank accounts, uh, your bank account is hidden from me, uh, mine is hidden from yours. And uh, basically, if I if I transact something to you, there's no way for me to track uh, track things or see what happens and so on. 
So I think for a model like this to work uh, and me just depending upon uh, your promise that you will help someone else in return for the thing that I did for you, it's yeah, it's it's intangible. Um, but with the blockchain, it of course becomes uh, becomes something transparent where um, I can not only uh, keep track of uh, if you will actually add value to others, but I'm also able to see before I transact with you what you did in the past. So I think you, I, I have this this very complete view of um, uh, of of yeah of of your contributions to others to assess if I want to do a transaction with you, and I think now um, most most bank accounts, of course, they're only transacting money. I think in the future you will. Uh, maybe store where you are if you were next to a person whether you uh, whether you were nice nice to someone uh, whether you like their facebook post all these things they will all be added to this new kind of bank account on the blockchain and therefore um, every transaction will start with uh, finding finding other values in each other uh, before you start exchanging money. Uh, and in most cases, uh, you have the six six degrees of separation concept. Basically, I believe that uh, we also have a lot of shared circles. So if in, if I look in your second network, probably there's an overlap with people in the Netherlands or uh, people in my life or uh, whatever. And I I think over time, and this this is something that gets kickstarted in a small community you will see that uh, i will have impact on some family in in iraq and i will have impact on um uh, some uh, some farmer in china and uh, uh because it becomes super visible and um yeah this is something that's going to motivate me to to yeah i think be very considerate of uh yeah uh, that i'm making sure that i contribute as well because other people will see uh will see these things from me and i think therefore in the future also things like war um, like war comes out of the ability to separate people. Uh, I think in the future, if um, if I see how I'm connected to other countries, other regions, other things, like uh, it becomes way less acceptable to uh, to deal with these things. And I will feel uh, feel even more empowered every time I see that I impacted some farm somewhere to uh, to keep doing it. I think uh, it will be like a gamified, um, uh, yeah, sense of purpose or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very in line with uh, this interview yeah. that I just gave a couple of days ago about. Uh, you said a gamified sense of pur purpose and we were talking about a quantified yeah. if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and yeah. at the very top you have self-actualization and kind of how do we quantify meaning and how do we quantify purpose yeah. it's very aligned with what you're saying the other thing that that makes me think of is so you're essentially what you're saying is you think that in order to track value for value in going forward in the future that the primary first way that we're going to do that is by essentially choosing the people that we want to transact with based on um, the, their kind of social good reputation. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, for example, in a neighborhood, uh, maybe you have some people that are lonely. Maybe you have some people that cannot uh, f uh, fix their own garden anymore or these kind of things. I think the people that pick this up, um, they are like, uh, yeah, invaluable to, uh, to a, a community. So maybe these people should be able to live for free in that community because it will become very tangible what they contribute. Um, and I think you will have a lot of these models where basically uh, it will begin where a community basically crowdfunds the existence of someone that contributes a lot and it will gradually trickle down to people that do uh, a bit less but still contribute. And in the end, it will shift towards uh, seeing that two, three layers uh, of interaction will actually lead to a contribution that is also beneficial for yourself or something like this. Uh, it, it's a gradual process, but it will start with like these super doing good people uh, in each neighborhood and um, being supported by their by their whole neighborhood, I think. I think that's a very good place to start. Yeah, I like that. And it, it, there's a... Uh, 
it reminds me of there's this uh, universal basic income implementation called resilience, which uses a similar yeah. concept where you essentially know based off this thing called a tax eme, so like a genetic yeah. version of a tax. Should yeah. I um, operate with you? Um, I, I, you can essentially it, it makes transparent uh, how what kind of social good you're doing, and then kind of when people are kind of self taxing each other, people are incentivized yeah. to uh, go towards the people who are doing better uh, because then yeah. that kind of provides more money back to the system exactly uh, yeah so yeah. i guess uh we're pretty much out of time for today um but I, I like the conversation so what is there one in in conclusion is there one final thing that you'd like to say to the listener it can be silly self-promoting uh off topic anything um uh, what's on your mind? yeah I, th I, th I think the most interesting thing for for me is um uh, it's a bit on topic for blockchain <laughs> is that um uh, yeah, timeline wise, you need to start thinking differently. Like now we're very much focused on uh, doing something for um, uh, uh, earning our paycheck every month or these kind of things. But with blockchain, we, we start building this this uh, universal record of, of history together. And uh, even 10, 15 years from now, people will see the choices that I made or they will um, they will be able to to see what I contributed. And I think therefore we need to start thinking way more long term. Like uh, if I look at the past where we built pyramids or these things and we uh, we worked for three generations to build a building i think we're doing very little of those long-term uh, projects but with the blockchain we can really start thinking again like okay um let's do something for the generations to come uh, by building now the groundwork for this and this is something i think we should all yeah embrace that's uh yeah. yeah, I like that. And I think that there's yeah. there's an embracing and an opportunity side there and there's also a little bit of a, a fear side there where if you get a if you get a Uport persona or some kind of self sovereign yeah. identity on the blockchain well, it pretty much starts tracking you then. Um, and yeah. so whatever you do, although there may not be systems in place at the time that are actively yeah. looking yeah. at your blockchain transactions uh, in the future, yeah. they, they might. Um, yeah. So, But I like the other version of that, which is the empowering version, not so much the yeah. clear <laughs> version. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, the other yeah. takeaways here are um, in kind of what we talked about today. So we talked about first Vince is working in the space um, primarily from a game theoretical and tragedy of the commons or prisoner's dilemma perspective. Perspective. Um, and he's really excited by this ability and he's working specifically in this um, space where essentially it's a playground for people to collaborate and blockchain really enables a lot of that collaboration um, and specifically around some of these new kind of government pushed initiatives within the Netherlands so that essentially fund these collaborations to do good because uh, just making money is not necessarily the, the key aspect of the game these days. So the mo motivations for corporations to exist is kind of changing and so that uh, allows people like Vince to work more in the climate change space. Um, and we also talked a little bit about uh, some of these more ma macro concepts around this data view of society and this kind of reputation view of society um, and whether people will be able to tell whether you've been doing good or bad. Um, and then we talked also a bit about some of the carbon tax work that Vince is doing and around specifically around the ability for blockchains to track externalities, classic kind of provenance checking here. Um, and we're able to now inject um, the, the externalities into the equation, which we weren't able to do before. Um, so that's what we talked about. <laughs> uh, Vince, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, and I hope you're doing well out there. Uh, and thanks all for listening. If you want to check out Vince or um, any of the work he's doing, go to Tech Eruption or Brightlands or Vince Means. You can find him on the internet by Googling. Uh, and if you want to support me on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Mark. That's slash R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Thanks so much, everybody, and bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.